0: Uh, if you're able to, please please stand as we do the, the reading of God's word this morning. Okay, so this is Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will Will from the spirit reap eternal life and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Bless the reading of the Lord. Okay, let's pray. Father, we give you this time. We devote this time to you. Oh Lord, I pray that you'd capture our hearts today. I know uh, myself included, probably most of us here, we've allowed ourselves to be entangled in the things of this world And, Lord, you call us to be holy. You call us to separate the clean from the unclean. Uh, First part of the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, we want to make your name holy. Lord, help us to be more devoted to you. Father, I pray you'd speak to us through your word today. Convict us. Help us to make changes where change needs to be made. Lord, give us attentive ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to this church. Lord, give us soft hearts to absorb what you want to tell us. Lord, give us minds that are undistracted. Lord, we just pray against Satan and his tactics, even in this very moment, who loves to deceive, he loves to distract, he loves to cause doubt. Lord, we pray against that in the name of Jesus, that you would give us a fully devoted, focused time on you this morning. Uh, We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. Last week, I started a two-part series on worldliness. So this is worldliness part two, and we, we covered quite a bit last week. We'll cover some more this week. The big idea is keep struggling and win more than lose. Keep struggling and win more than lose. And that that big idea is is on the main part of your bulletin. It's also on the back at the bottom of the notes. And some people might think, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like conflict. They don't like to struggle. They don't like it when things are hard. But when, when we're struggling, oftentimes that's a good indication that you're doing what's right. If you're if you're struggling, in fact, I just had a a phone call conversation with another pastor in town on Thursday this week. A, a man who I I respect very much. He he actually reached out to me and wanted to talk about some things, just in uh, balancing being a pastor, but then also being involved in the, um, the the public square and influencing our community with with good, godly, moral principles, et cetera. Um, and, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I I just." Uh, I was at this meeting, we were reorganizing our districts and I left and I felt so discouraged. And, but I just, want, I just want God's truth to prevail. I want it to be, uh, I want people to be representing us well at a state level, things like that. And, and I was able to have a really good conversation with them and encourage him. And, I, and I, said, I said to this pastor, you know what? I, I think that's a good sign you're doing the right thing. You know, the, the darkness hates the light. Deception hates truth. And of course, they're going to do everything they can to attack, slander, demean, make you feel guilty, to stop you from shining the truth of God in the public square. Satan doesn't want any competition; he just wants to plow through and do his own thing. You know, and and he's going to use the sons of disobedience to carry out his will. So, so I encourage all of you with that. Even even we as pastors, it's like man what should I be involving myself in? Should I do this? It, it, you know, uh, if I could tell you, if I could let you guys inside my mind, uh, for even one day, uh, the, the, the stuff that gets thrown at me, uh, of, of, of doubts and deception and, you're not good enough. You could be making more money if your wife was working full time and you watch the kids. That, that's an actual thought I've had. Like we'd be making, you know, probably twice as much money if my wife worked full time instead of, you know, all, all these thoughts like, yep, you should just quit. It's not worth it. Wouldn't it be nice to have an evening where you could just put in your nine to five job and then not have to be thinking about others? You know, like I get all these thoughts constantly. And uh, if I'm not keeping myself encouraged and reminding myself of the prize that's coming, for those who remain steadfast for those who are faithful to the end uh, I I would have thrown in the towel long ago I don't know if you guys know this I think the average lifespan of a pastor today is five, five, career career span I should say of course it takes a toll <laughs> takes a toll on one's life as well but uh I think the average pastor only makes it 5 years you know be, before they uh exit out of ministry for me it's it's been 9 uh this this summer and uh so I I'm just blessed to still be here you know a lot of churches closed during the COVID uh, shutdown stuff. We're, we're still here. So God's, God's using us and just want to encourage all of you, keep struggling. Keep struggling and win more than lose. It's, it's okay when we lose some battles. So just get up and learn from your mistakes and keep going. Apologize, make things right, and keep moving forward. We have to keep encouraging each other in that. Theme verse. As it was last week, and this is in the top of your bulletins as well. So, so we had our scripture reading, but then this is kind of just one theme verse to cling to. One Peter two eleven, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. We are in a war. We're in a war. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. We have to remember that. I talked about that last week. Satan would, Satan would rather have us believe that he doesn't even exist. How can you fight an enemy that you don't even believe is real? We're in a spiritual battle. It's a war against our souls. So Let's talk about the media and worldliness. Any Christian who is serious about pleasing his Savior needs to be vigilant about what he reads, watches, and listens to as most of these things come from the world. Think of books, magazines, online articles, radio, music, television, video games, movies, cell phone apps, that's a big one, games that all carry a worldly message. We have malls, we have online shopping, we have billboards and advertisements that are all crying out, buy me, you will have pleasure. Uh, one One of my favorite billboards that I see uh, man, how's it go? It's highlighting this massage place. And it's like, you know, and it says, you know, you, you deserve, uh, you know, you deserve this, or, you know, you deserve a break. Uh, you deserve a massage. And and, and right away when I saw that, you know, what came to my mind? The only thing I deserve is hell. It's like, you know, that, that billboard is telling me, Oh yeah, you deserve to go get a massage. Paul, you know, I'm like, Nope. The only thing I deserve is hell for my sins and and praise, praise God. He sent the son, Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. Is it wrong to go and get a massage? No, but you know, uh, everything in moderation, we'll be talking about that more, but uh, my, my goodness, we have so many uh, short lived promises shouting out to us that neglect God. There's an endless bombardment of messages that are hostile to God are we able to screen and judge these messages as we should? You know, there's a quote by John Piper about television. So this is, here's John Piper's television advice. Once again, this is John Piper saying it, not me, but I, I, I've been convicted and I think I agree with it. So here's what he says. Turn it off. It isn't necessary for Relevance. It is a deadly place to rest the mind. You are least capable of critical interaction. Its pervasive banality, sexual innuendo, and God ignoring values have no ennobling effect upon the human soul. It kills the spirit, it drives away God, it quenches prayer, it blanks out the Bible. It cheapens the soul. It destroys spiritual power. It defiles almost everything. Now, have there been incredible programs, movies, etc., that have, have have been produced? Films, absolutely. You know, very very great. In fact, a lot, lot of godly material coming out as of late in the in the theaters, which has been very encouraging to see. But I think you guys get his point. So much of what is shown on television is just such a waste of time. It, it numbs our souls so that we're not passionate for God. You know, and it, and it drives me crazy when I talk to people and I say, hey, you know, how much did you read your Bible this week? Oh, I didn't have time. <laughs> how much time did you spend watching TV this week? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, pretty convicting, pretty convicting. Are we beyond evaluating our time watching TV? Maybe you think it isn't affecting your life in Christ. Let's not be like the church in Sardis. In fact, uh, some of us got together just this last Wednesday and we we watched uh times <laughs> we watched something <laughs> <laughs> but it was it's called uh the, uh the seven churches of revelation times of deception and it, it was a thorough look at the at the uh the last four churches in Revelation. This this was one of them. But here's what Jesus says to the church in Sardis. uh, Revelation 3, verse 1, second half and verse 2. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. And Christians... I believe God's works are not complete with this church. I believe his works are not complete with the church in America. There's still work to do. He wants to use us. Maybe you think you're just fine in your TV watching habits. Oh, I'm just fine. I don't really need to do anything. Well, Jesus said this to the church in Laodicea, and they they thought they were fine too. In fact, they even denied help from uh, the Roman government when there was an earthquake there because they they were so wealthy, so well off. They're like, yep. we don't want your money. We're wealthy enough. We can fix our own buildings. Thank you very much. Yep, they were, they were just fine. Okay? Well, here's what Jesus says to them in Revelation 3.17. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Listen to me, Christians. This was the church in Laodicea where they were known for the textiles that they produced. Very extravagant, uh, expensive clothing. They were known for an eye salve that had been developed in their, their medical communities there. And yet Jesus says they're blind. They had wealth in abundance. Jesus says they're poor. Isn't that something? You know, so we can think, yep, I'm doing just great. Jesus might have a little different message for us. Good things to think about. Um, here, here's a couple before we move on to the next section. Here's a couple uh, quotes, Christian quotes I found on media. This one's called straight for the heart. Media rarely, if ever attempts to reason with us and convince us to love the world. Instead, it stirs up feelings and emotions that bypass our minds and grips our affections. The incredibly wicked power of media is that it can make something evil look good and, or exciting. It can make sin seem harmless and enjoyable. And it can sway our hearts to think that we deserve what we crave. That what, that what we see is all that matters. Here's another good quote I found. This one's called Poison Pills. Trying to figure out how much sinful content from media you can handle and still be okay is like a person who takes half a poison pill every day because... Only half won't kill you. When it comes to what we watch or read or listen to, we shouldn't ask how many halves of poison pills we can take. We need to examine the cumulative effect of our media habits and our attitude toward God and sin and the world. And here's a, a final one. Another challenging one. So this is a challenge for self-evaluation. Cravings of sinful man. Are my media habits encouraging me to want my own way? Is what I'm watching, reading, or listening to whispering the lie that these desires are natural, good, harmless when God's word says they will destroy my soul? Lust of the eyes. Are my media habits stirring up a covetous desire for more of what this world offers? Isn't it so easy just to start scrolling through Instagram or YouTube videos and you keep, oh yeah, oh, and then you see, oh, it, there's some good stuff that can come from that, right? You might make some good life changes things, but I think for the most part, man, oh, I need that. Oh, that person looks great. I want to look like that. It, isn't it, isn't it enticing? It makes us want everything for ourselves, a beautiful companion, a beautiful home, a beautiful car. Is it leading me to feast my eyes on unlawful sights for the sake of sinful pleasure? Is it causing me to be captivated by the outward, invisible, with no regard to goodness and virtue? Good questions for us to ask ourselves. What about sports? God must be okay with sports, right? After all, the Bible seems to support sports. In fact, at least one person here, I know, just ran the Fargo Half Marathon yesterday. Anybody, anybody else do any of the Fargo races? Oh yeah, Nick Nick did 5K I think Friday night. Anyone else do the do the race? It's good to get out and exercise, right? I I brought the kids out. We were we were cheering. Had them lined up on the sidewalk there by uh, it was like 17th and 12th, not too far from the Fargo Dome. And you should have seen the looks on people's face, faces. You know, they see Josiah and James and Jude, and, and then and then little Jesse's in the stroller there, and then you know, and they're holding the signs, and everyone's like. Oh, they, you know, like they were like cheering for my kids more than, more than they were. One guy, one guy ran by and he's like... Takes a picture of my kid. And then, and then, he, and then he, kept, he kept running. So there, there's a lot of good that can come out of sports. Of course there is. Uh, well, what's the Bible tell us about that? Um, 2 Timothy 2, 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Okay? lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So the Bible uses sports as an analogy to remind us to practice integrity and self-control. Do we practice integrity and self-control in our sport watching? We can try to justify our many hours of watching sports by saying, self, at least you're not watching garbage. But that's not the issue. The issue is all the hours and hours spent just watching. The comparison, the comparison isn't watching sports versus some immoral movie, but the hours spent watching versus doing something much more productive. Sitting down, watching a football game, three hours goes by. Sorry, pastor, didn't have, my, didn't have time to read my Bible this week but I watched a football game for three hours. The serious Christian must evaluate the amount of time he spends doing anything. We only have one life and God asks us to remember eternity. I know you guys have heard this. It's on my co-pastor Bob's uh, voice answering machine. Your life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you want, but you can spend it only once. You can spend it only once. Colossians 3 verse 2 asks us to, or commands us, set your minds on things that are, abo- that are above, not on things that are on earth. Much easier said than done, isn't it? It's, it's much more easy for us to focus on the things that are right in front of us instead of thinking about a lot of unseen things. Although looking out right now, I see souls that will exist forever in one of two places heaven or hell. So I'm, I'm in, in one sense, I'm, I'm looking at eternity right now before my very eyes. Every person here created in the image of God will, will die one day or perhaps, you know, we'll see how the end times play out. Uh, but one day we'll all stand before God. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you haven't made him your savior, if you haven't asked Jesus to forgive you, you know, it's one, it's one thing to know about the gift and to know what it does And see how shiny that wrapper looks. But unless you take that gift from Jesus and you open it up yourself and experience what's inside, you haven't accepted that free gift yet. And if you haven't done that, the Bible tells us you will, you will spend an eternity separated from God in hell. What is hell? The absence of God, the absence of everything good. There's no light. There's nothing to grab onto. There's constant pain. Gnashing of teeth, that's going to be probably one of the worst parts, hearing the people screaming and gnashing their teeth for all eternity. I mean, not to the, mention the physical pain that you'll be feeling. Uh, this is serious stuff. And we, we need to set our minds on things that are above. That, that's what's happening, Christians. There's people dying and going to hell today. And what, what are we going to do to tell them about it? Once again, we've got lots of gospel tools back at the table there. We've got, we've got gospel cards. We've got these bracelets with five verses you can walk through. Uh, People through, we've got Bibles back there. I encourage you try try to sow at least one seed every week, whether you leave a tract in a restaurant card or have a conversation with the Hey, let me tell you my story. How Jesus has changed my life. We need to set our minds on things that are above and sow those seeds of of the gospel instead of sowing to the flesh. Let's read that passage again that we read Galatians six seven through nine, I'll I'll read it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Anyone else feeling a little weary these days, seeing the news that's happening and all the corruption, the evil, the wickedness, demons in plain sight practically, uh, it, it can be discouraging, can't it? It can weigh us down. And, and that's, that's why it's so important that we continue to meet together, to encourage one another, uh, to, to keep going and not, and not give up. So th- this is how uh, John Stott has looked at this scripture from Galatians. So this is a quote by John Stott. Here's what he says. And this is from his book. It's called The Message of Galatians. To sow to the flesh is to pander to it, to coss it, cuddle, and stroke it instead of crucifying it. The seeds we sow are largely thoughts and deeds. Every time we allow our minds to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fantasy, or wallow in self-pity we are sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company, whose insidious influence we know we cannot resist, every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up praying, every time we read pornographic literature, every time we take a risk which strains our self-control, we are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. Some Christians sow to the flesh every day and wonder why they do not reap holiness. Holiness is a harvest, whether we reap it or not depends almost entirely on what and where we sow. What a challenging statement from John Stott, isn't it? I know Brother Jim has been out in the field sowing, sowing seeds, right? Or just plowing up, or plowing, but he's, okay, get, get in the field ready, sowing seeds, what happens if they don't go out and plow the field and sow the seeds? Is there going to be a harvest in the fall? Nope. <laughs> we, if, if, you want to, if you want God to be more real to you, you need to be more real with God. You need to spend time with him. You need to sit in his presence. And The more we sow to the spirit, reading our Bibles, praying, memorizing his word, serving, uh, that, that's when we're going to start reaping a harvest of holiness. So here's some questions. We'll close with this. Some questions we must ask ourselves. Uh, some hard, unpleasant questions. You're thinking, oh man, what's, what's going to be harder than what I've already heard this morning? Uh, and you know, as I've said before, uh, we, uh, we like to preach the truth here at Submerge. And these messages that I preach, I'm preaching to myself. So just know that uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing special about me. I'm not above you guys because I'm a pastor. I have a flesh flesh that I struggle with just like you guys do. And God's still working on me. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I I cling to that. I'm a perfectionist. I'm hard on myself. I'm my own biggest critic. And uh, I need to learn, okay, Paul, God's not finished with you yet. Keep struggling and win more than lose. So here's some questions we need to ask ourselves. Uh, Before we do, I'm going to share, here's what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says about sin. Matthew 5, 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Matthew 5, 29. That's what our Lord and Savior said. Kind of shocking, isn't it? Well, guess what? Jesus intended to shock. Can you imagine the people there? <laughs> Cut your hand off, throw it away. Gouge your eye out, throw it away. What? <laughs> Obviously it's a metaphor, but I, that, that's how serious God is and how we need to deal with our sin. We need to deal thoroughly with sin. And I'm still working on it. Here, so, so here's a few strong questions and uh, uh, clear scriptures to help us determine whether or not a certain activity is glorifying to God and whether it might be worldly. So if you're ever wondering... Is this thing or activity or what is, is, is this a worldly thing or not? Should I be doing this or not? We had some, some things like this last week. Well, here's, here's a new set of questions that one can ask themselves. Number one, does it tempt you to sin? Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Number two, oh, sorry. Um, I'm going to share one more verse with that first point. Uh, So 2 Timothy 2.22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's what scripture says about that, being tempted. Number two, is it good for you or bad for you? Is it good for you or bad for you? All things are lawful. This is 1 Corinthians 10.23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Number three, does it enslave you? Does it enslave you? 1 Corinthians 6.12, all thing. wait a minute. Did I, oh, that is right. Yep, yep. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. I think some versions say like, you know, I, I, will be ma- I will be mastered by nothing. You know, so, so we, don't, we don't ever want to allow ourselves to be a slave to anything except the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, does it honor and glorify God? Does it honor and glorify God? 1 Corinthians 10 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 31. Number five, does it encourage others? Would you do it or watch it if you had company? It's a challenging question. Would you do it or watch it if you had company? 1 Corinthians 10, Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. You know, I ask myself frequently when I'm at home, Paul how you just spoke to your son would you speak to him like that at church wow that's convicting <laughs> and i've caught myself a number of times like nope life life at for all of us how we show up here on sunday mornings i hope i hope our home life looks real similar to that it's it's easy to show up and hey how's it going you know and keeping up appearances being nice cheerful christians getting together and then we get home and you know <laughs> right it's easy to let our guard down at home uh we need to be consistent you know sit, sit the same here as we are at home and uh when i've heard my wife demonstrate that and and usually she does a really good job if 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 i'm starting to get a little worked up and starting to speak harshly and then she'll start speaking really gently like okay time for us to go have a discipline you know and and, and right away i'm just like oh paul she doesn't even have to tell me anything you know like i'll be i'll be convicted just on how Sweetly and gently, she's correcting our children when I'm losing my patience. Oh, number six, does it cause your brother to stumble? Does it cause your brother to stumble? Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of god first corinthians ten thirty two uh yeah, and this this is a, a good one i I think I might have failed at that this week um, with a particular person just just being being cautious and aware of what you know other people have have different convictions, different sensitivities. other people have different pasts and struggles that maybe you've never had a pastor struggle with uh, but but we need we need to be careful what we are engaging ourselves in and making sure we're not causing others to stumble and that that's something I need to continue to grow in as well. Uh, lastly, number seven, are your motives pure when you are involved in it? are your motives pure when you're involved in it? remember jeremiah seventeen nine tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Desperately sick. Who can understand it? Here's a test you can try. We've talked about this before. Sometimes people do this during the Lenten season, but uh, you, can, you can try a media fast. Okay, when, when we fast, and that's another thing I think that the church in America is not very good at, fasting uh, in, in any capacity, whether it's food or media or or, or sweets or whatever uh, but but here's here's a test you can do is is do a media fast. Can you fast a week from radio, music, newspapers, magazines, TV movies, video games, social media, sports, that favorite app uh, what what whatever it is can, can you can you go a week without it? Test yourself. We kind of talked about this uh, when I gave that sermon on distractions, you know, just kind of taking a break from the smartphone like one hour a day and then or, or social media and then and then and then maybe one day a week taking a break from social media uh one one week one week a month etc you know let's let's cha- let's challenge ourselves can can you make it and and this is really the heart of the issue this is probably the most important thing out of this message hopefully your ears tuned up right there oh most important thing okay this is right this is going to be on the test all right pay attention <laughs> this is probably the most important part of what i just talked about and Everything I just talked about, we're going to fail miserably and fall on our face unless we are madly in love with Jesus. And it's kind of like what I talked about in that other message where, you know, when we're fighting temptation, instead of thinking, don't eat the cookie, don't eat the cookie, don't eat the cookie, think, let's go serve this person. You know, think about what you should do instead of what you shouldn't do. That makes sense. So like all those things I just talked about, man, if we're just madly in love with Jesus and want to spend time with him and glorify him, you're probably not even gonna have to worry about asking yourself, if, is this good for me? Or does this enslave me? Because you'll be, you'll be so entranced with Jesus, our Savior. And that's where we need to be. So, so the real cure to worldliness is to be in love with our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the real cure. We need to be proactive in filling our minds with his truth. Instead of playing the junk recordings over and over in your head, Paul, you're a loser, your sermon was terrible, people at the church are mad at you, everyone wants to do things their way, you should quit and find a new job. Instead of that, Paul, you're a son of God. You're a warrior for God. God loves you. God's grace abounds for you. God will help you through this. Jesus died for your sin. Play play those truth recordings over and over instead of the lies, the deceptions. Finally, brothers, Philippians 4a, This, this is a great one. Anybody good at worrying around here? Man, I'm really good at thinking about things that haven't even happened yet, things that might go bad, but okay. So guess what? If you're good at worrying, then you can change that and be good at meditating on God's truth. You you already know how to think about something over and over in your mind, right? So why don't you take those worries and plug in some truth instead? And here's a great one for that. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's what we should be thinking about. Think about what is right. Meditate on what is lovely. And Christians, you can't meditate on God's truth if you haven't memorized it. You can't memorize God's truth if you haven't studied it. You can't study God's truth if you haven't read it. You've got to read the Bible, study the Bible, memorize the Bible, meditate on it, and then obey it and live it out. Understand, understanding God's love helps us to resist this world. So once again, the big idea, keep struggling and win more than lose. So if you go through this next week, like, so let's, let's just say you haven't been reading your Bible at all. And then... Okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to start reading every day, even if it's just five minutes. And let's say you, you read two out of seven days. Ah, oh, guess what? That, that's an improvement. You were at nothing and now, now at least you read two days. And then, and then try, to, try to grow from there. So we have to be patient with ourselves. God God takes us where we're at and he works with us. And we just need to take those little steps in the right direction. So keep struggling. When you fail, don't let it get you down. That's what Satan wants. You lost again. You might as well give up. Where the Holy Spirit says, Paul, I'm going to bring you up to who God wants you to be in Jesus Christ. And he's going to use you as you make yourself available. Sure, you messed up, but let's let's just move forward. So don't let your mistakes get you down. Just keep moving forward. Keep struggling. Win more than lose. Uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing one last song. And then after that song, I'm going to have everybody stand. We're just going to kind of pray a closing blessing over the building and then we'll go right over to the meal. So uh, we'll we'll get ready for one last song here. Father, we just thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you would continue to uh, help us to win more than lose, that we would choose you, Lord. We'd think about what is good, what's lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, instead of caving to the the lies of Satan, the things of this world. Father, I pray that you would uh, help us to be holy, and we can only do that by being madly in love with you. So Father, I just pray that you would just spark a renewed love in each of us today to choose you above the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.